0: Good evening. There's a saying that a busy life makes prayer harder, but prayer makes a busy life easier. It's that simple. So if you want an easier life, pray more. That's all. Thank you very much for coming tonight uh, for some refreshments. But, so no takers on that. Okay, so we're going to keep going then. Anyways, the so the the thing that I'd like to use tonight to kind of carry uh, you through my faith journey with God is a, is a vehicle, literally like a 15-passenger van, and uh, I you know like to talk about how God uh, was merely a passenger in that fourth. Uh, bench seat in the back, gradually moving closer and closer to me, eventually riding shotgun, and now firmly behind the wheel. Now some of you had mentioned that you thought I might go into Carrie Underwood's rendition of Jesus Take the Wheel. Rest assured I'm not going to do that. But uh, the the reason why I say that God was a passenger was because I grew up uh, without any religion. My, my dad met my mom in Korea, where my sister Virginia was born. Um, they, he came back to Des Moines, Iowa, where I was born, and my two younger brothers were born. And then he got his college degree and he joined the Navy. Well, I think you all know what that means, right? We traveled all over the place. We traveled to California, to Florida, into to Virginia Beach where I eventually graduated high school. But I knew God existed because I saw the Ten Commandments uh, at the movie. Are you, any, any show of hands, anybody here familiar with that movie? <laughs> Cecil B. DeMille, Charlton Heston. It's a great movie. Um, but uh, I, I grew up a pretty good kid. I, you know, I, it's not like I wasn't morally upright. I did scouting, camping, uh, and then when you're on a military base, you really aren't allowed to fall out of line too much. Um, but uh, I also got good grades. I studied hard. I'd like to think that I had some discipline. I did computer programming. I played Dungeons and Dragons. I did you know, all kinds of good stuff. Like you, you guys can picture me, right? What I look like a a real ladies man (laughs) Uh, not I was a total geek and so where did total total geeks go Uh, well my dad was gonna get his master's degree Uh, the Navy was gonna pay for that my brother was gonna be a vet and I wanted to be an electrical engineer so we went to Iowa State (laughs) go clones that's awesome, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, and most importantly though, that's where I met my lovely wife, uh, Debbie, at the Iowa State Martial Arts Club there. And we got m- married at St. Michael's uh, Catholic Church in Sioux City, Iowa. Suddenly God was getting a little closer uh, to me as we um, went down that journey. And then, of course, after marriage, uh, we lived in married student housing. And then we go, we do what all good young couples do when they get married in Iowa. They go south, someplace warm. And so that's what we did. We went to Albuquerque. Now, this is where it gets a little bit complicated, so I'm going to try to break this down and make it as simple as possible. Because when you have ten kids and you've lived in three different locations and had several different jobs, it can be kind of confusing. So st- step one is uh, we're going to uh, just talk about the kids for a second, I just got to get them all listed here. I got to do a shout out, if you will. And so this is the audience participation point of the, of the talk tonight, so repeat after me. C-Z-E. C-Z-E. N's L's G. There you go, Courtney, Zachary, Eli, Noah, Naomi, Nathaniel, Lydia, Levi, Liam, and Gianna. There, there will be a. This is how geeks memorize their kids' names. Sorry, that's how I am. Anyways, we we. I could do a whole talk on God's providence and, and, and how he shaped my career and moved me throughout the country. So I'm gonna give you a very, very high level um, snapshot of what that looked like. When we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico, that's where uh, Courtney was born, uh, my 24 year old. And he ever so gently brought me back home to Siouxland. Uh, you know, a couple of years later. Uh, it wasn't easy, he had, uh, I had to be laid off. the company uh, company. at the time. That was very tough. I didn't like it, but he brought me back to be baptized uh, in the church. And um, I I was baptized at uh, Sacred Heart Church in Sioux City, Iowa in 1993. Again, suddenly God's getting a little bit closer, moving up that seat. Uh, The uh, the, uh, baptism and confirmation were very memorable. I almost drowned (laughs) <laughs> Father Brooke had a way of you know, they had a baptismal font and then when you put your, it was like where you put your full head, immersion so he would grab me by the head in the name of the Father and as I was trying to lift my head up he held it down just a little bit longer. It was, was memorable, like I said <laughs> and I had a couple of kids at the uh Uh, at that time, but then in 1996 a very sad death occurred. My Uncle Charles died, and I remember vividly watching my dad as he gave the eulogy. To give you a little background, Uh, Aunt Marie and Uncle Charles also had 10 kids, what they affectionately referred to as a good Catholic family back then. And so it was kind of sad, you know, when a when, you know, large family like that loses their father. But my dad said that when, as he recalled, that when people asked Uncle Charles, haven't you ever heard of family planning, his response was simple, God planned my family. And that really resonated with me uh, intellectually, meaning it sounded like a really good idea and what I mean by that is I thought four kids sounded like a good-sized family. Obviously, God has different plans. Our faith life at the time was, what I would say, uh, bare minimum Catholics. It was lukewarm. Uh, we, don't, don't get me wrong, we went to church uh, weekly. And we prayed before meals occasionally went to confession. But life at that time, in a weird way, was actually kind of good because I had a new job, uh, we had a new kid, uh, our child number four, that would be Noah, I think, right? I'm counting on my wife to... yeah, there you go, thank you. He's he's got me. And. Life seemed good at the time, It was kind of busy, but then I was laid off again. And so I kind of felt in some ways, again in hindsight, God's providential hand moving me towards uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And shortly after we moved here in 2000, uh, baby number five showed up, and even though I was saying intellectually, I wanted God to plan my family. My immediate reaction was when uh, my wife told me that we were with baby again, my comment to the Lord was, really, Lord? And of course his response was, really. And so I think it's safe to say after that, that Debbie and I and God were, you know, on the same page as far as he was planning the family and calling the shots. So as our busy family was growing, we, as, as you heard, got involved in many activities, taekwondo, soccer, traveling all over the place, and doing homeschooling. And I was even soccer coaching and soccer refing. And I, people kept inviting me to these CEW weekends over the winter months. It's like late February, early March-ish time frame. And that always coincided on the same weekend as my reffing certifications. And quite frankly, I didn't have time uh, to take a whole weekend off. And I think they recruit in odd ways, by the way. If anybody's familiar with CEW, they always hit you up in threes. Not one person doesn't hit you, they like hit you from all sides. And so finally, I just said, yes, okay, I'm going. Yes, I'm gonna go. That was the single best yes I ever said. Uh, A yes to God. And I don't want to give it away too much. I can't say enough about CEW. But sometimes you have to unplug to recharge. And that's exactly what CEW did for me. And so, again, I highly recommend that. Well, because I was so fired up, from my CEW weekend, my grace tank was full. My wife noticed physical and visible changes about me, just the way I carried myself. I was no longer short and snappy and impatient. I was actually kind, generous, Uh, definitely not my normal self. And then it wore off. And then she asked me, when's the next CEW weekend? (laughs) You need to get back there. But she also came the the very next year, too, so. So anyways, I was fired up uh, with CEW. Pete can testify. I wanted to get involved in something monthly, Uh, so I got involved in uh, the CEOs. I got involved into, uh, uh, I worked previous CEWs as well. I did weekly men's prayer group. I started taking classes on uh, church history, uh, encountering God. So what was the problem? I was busy doing Catholic stuff. And so, what happened then was that bad habits and bad behaviors started to come back. So, last December, uh, at the December CEO event, it was at Mount Mercy. Uh, there was a parishioner downstairs handing out uh, books and I'm not gonna name who she is, but she's awesome. I'm just saying that. And the particular book she handed out to me was Fatima for Today. And I never really got... I I knew about Fatima, but I didn't really understand everything about Fatima. So I I just dove into that book and it's, it's it's a fascinating story. And I'd like to kind of walk you through the story and some of the things that happened to me and and how it changed me. Um, So in in brief, um, Fatima takes place in 1916, 1917 in Fatima, Portugal, and uh, an angel appears to three shepherd kids uh, in 1916, teaching them how to pray and whatnot, all in preparation for a visit from uh, the Virgin Mary. Um, And the Virgin Mary appeared to these kids in May 13th of 1917 and she visited them monthly for six months with the final apparition in October of 1917. Now please believe me when I say that there's no way that I could go into the depths of the many, many messages of Fatima, so I'm just going to touch base on the, the ones that impacted me the most and how it changed my life. Um, the, the first uh, apparition from the uh, angel, uh, he, he appeared to the kids uh, when they were out in the, in the fields. And uh, the first thing he said was, Do not be afraid. I am the angel of peace, and pray with me. And this is the prayer that he taught them. It's called the pardon prayer. Hopefully, you guys have the handouts also, by the way. It has all the uh, prayers in there. First prayer goes like this My God. I I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. A few things uh, jumped out at me about this prayer. Number one, it's simple. I like simple. Uh, number two, it was personal. Uh, it wasn't our God or, you know, God. It was my God. And uh, the other thing that I forgot to mention was how the angel taught him to pray. Pray. He, he bowed down prostrate, kneeling with the, his forehead near uh, the, the floor, much like the Muslims pray. And so it was very reverent. Bottom line, I said to myself, I could do this prayer. And he taught them to pray it three times. So I started praying that prayer nightly uh, for three, uh, three times, repeating that over and over again. And I suddenly started uh, to change a little bit. I started realizing, bottom line, how little I did adore and love God. I love soccer and all these other things more. And, uh, and, and that hurt. So then the kids were out playing, and then the angel appeared a second time and said, what are you doing? Pray. And so they they started taking it more seriously and praying the pardon prayer more and more. And then uh, one day when they were praying the pardon prayer, uh, the angel appeared again for a third time. This time he was holding the Holy Eucharist with the chalice in the other hand, and drops of blood were coming down from it. And And the chalice and the host suspended while he came around to the kids and again he taught them to pray another prayer and it's uh, it's known as the angel prayer O Most Holy Trinity Father Son and Holy Spirit I adore thee profoundly I offer you the most precious body blood soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, <clears throat> in reparation for the um, outrages, sacrilegious, and indifferences by which he is offended. And through the infinite merits of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the, and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I beg of the, uh, the conversion of sinners." By the way, did I warn you? I leak my, these kind of Uh, talks. Again, this this, uh, prayer was obviously not as simple as the previous one, but using the vehicle analogy, I I heard at the men's conference uh, from one of the speakers that when you drive into the light, the stains on the windshield become a lot more apparent, and that 's how I felt uh, you know what was happening to me. I was <clears throat> starting to see every sin and everything wrong so you, you, I hurried to confession now, keep in mind prior to that, I was only going to confession about once every year. Uh, and, and again, I wasn't taking it very seriously. Uh, but this time I was rushing, uh, rushing to, to confession. It, it was really important to me. And, and then also suddenly I started caring about the difference between moral sin and venial sin. Quite frankly, I never even knew the difference. It, it, was, it was beyond me. But the the main reason why, I was caring so much about that was because I wanted to make sure uh, that I did not offend our Eucharistic Lord. So all of this was in preparation for Mary to come. So to borrow a mock trial phrase, uh, the angel was laying foundation, paving the way, so to speak. See, we got some mock trial people back there, thank you. So when Mary appeared for the first time on uh, May 13th, she introduced herself as, she didn't say who she was, she just said she was from heaven. And the kids were very interested in, in knowing whether or not they were gonna go to heaven. And Mary responded that yes, you are gonna go to heaven. The problem was though that the little boy, Francisco, he needed to pray extra rosaries Uh, if he was going to go to heaven and I could definitely relate to that. But the other key takeaway though was that purgatory is real because in that particular apparition, uh, the oldest of the girls, Lucia, she she asked if her friend who recently died was going to go to heaven and Mary responded yes. But then when she asked about another friend, she said she will remain in purgatory till the end of days. Now keep in mind that i' I've, I've heard people say that, man, if I make it to purgatory, I'm doing good. Uh, but being in purgatory forever you know or till the end of days, that did not appeal to me at all. So what that basically meant was I needed a change, I needed a full conversion because i I'm not going to hell, and I wasn't going to go to purgatory. I I wanted to get to heaven as as much as possible. Uh, But one of the key messages uh, that Mary gave on May 13th and throughout all six apparitions was a simple request. Pray the rosary daily. I'm going to talk in a little bit about uh, why we should pray the rosary and, and what it is. But uh, the, the and, and again, I'm not going to go through every single apparition. I'm just going to go through a, a couple uh, that really struck me hard. Uh, the July apparition, on, on July 13th, Mary was basically asking the kids whether or not they were willing to take on sufferings or penances to console our God, or their God. And the answer, of course, was yes, they were and she taught them this sacrifice prayer. Oh Jesus, this is for love of you, for the conversion of poor sinners, and in reparation for the offenses committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And they were supposed to pray this prayer and offer up everything, every sacrifice, every every pain, every, every suffering, everything. They were supposed to pray this constantly. And I found myself suddenly start to pray this prayer also for everything. So. And and prior to this, Debbie, uh, my wife, would always say, offer it up. And I never knew what she meant by that. So this, to me, was specific. And I could really, uh, again, get behind it. It had a lot of deep meaning uh, for me. Uh, So much so to where I actually fasted for the first time ever, and it wasn't Lent. And then after I did it the first time, it became easier and I started fasting more and more and more. And all those little hunger pangs I was just offering them up, again, for the love of God, the conversion of sinners, and in reparation of, um, to Mary's Immaculate Heart. One, one of the other big things that happened in the July apparition was she showed the children a vision of hell. Now, she just got done telling them that they're going to heaven. So why would she show them a vision of hell? And, of course, what they saw were uh, demons that looked like dark animals and and, and dogs. And they saw uh, souls or, 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 or bodies going in and out of the fires and coals. And they were moaning and groaning. So they were clearly in pain. And the whole reason why she showed them that was because they didn't want anybody to go there. So they prayed more fervently about the conversion of sinners. Again, that's exactly what I needed to do. Not only did I need need to pray for myself, I needed to pray for my family and uh, everybody else. Okay, so getting back to praying the rosary. So she told them to pray the rosary every day to obtain peace for the world. Now keep in mind, again, this was during the First World War. And so she was basically saying, if you want the end of the war to end, you need to pray the rosary daily. So I had to ask myself a question. It's like, how is this relevant? You know, can my busy life benefit from peace? And of course, the answer was absolutely yes. Now, for some of you who may not be familiar with the rosary, I don't want you to... Uh, 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 it's simply a prayer where we meditate on the life events of Jesus that's it I don't want to oversimplify it because it is an extremely powerful prayer it has won wars and so I'm definitely not undermining the power uh, of the rosary but but it it really is meditation on Jesus' life that's what we're we're, uh, supposed to do when we hail Mary full of grace Uh, she inevitably carries you to the foot of the cross so prayer to me was about getting closer to god and who better to to pray with our powerful intercessor than than mary and and the rosary now i think that's a pretty good reason but If your father, Larry Richards, his response would be, you pray the rosary because when the mother of God tells you, pray the rosary daily, you pray it. And I could definitely relate to that. So what happened to me then? So what ended up happening to me was... uh, because I saw all the sins, my own sinful nature, I basically, again, was praying mostly for myself. And then once that grace tank started to fill up, then I started to pr- pray for others. And things I have never done before started happening. Um, if I'm at work, for example, and somebody uses, uh, the, you know, uh, Jesus' name in vain, I started saying something. I wasn't going to be silent anymore. And I'd say something very simple like, did you just use, our uh, Lord, Lord Jesus' name in vain. And, so, and some people just looked at me like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And so whether it's friends, whether it's people at work, or whether it's your own dad, it just... I started... What's the word? Spiritual courage? I was developing some spiritual courage. Uh, the other thing was, I was starting to step up as a uh, spiritual leader in the house. Uh, it, it, now, thank God for Debbie. She, she had been the spiritual leader up to uh, this point. Uh, during the Advent season, uh, she was uh, leading the family in prayer. Uh, by the time I finished this book, I basically said, "Give me that." It's like I'm, <laughs> I'm, le- I'm, I'm leading uh, this family, and uh, I started to do additional things uh, whenever there was problems. Uh, at home, I'd say, well, let's pray about that. Or if kids were uh, offending or doing wrong things, I'd basically ask them, well, which commandment did you just break? And I wasn't asking because I didn't know. <laughs> I was asking because I actually had been going to confession enough, and I was actually getting pretty familiar with them. So I think it was safe to say at this, this point that God was firmly in the driver's seat. I have no idea where he's taking me, I, I just hope it's to heaven. And in, uh, in closing, I'd like to just uh, talk about the o- October apparition just for a second. Because on October 13, 1917, uh, there were 50,000 people in the cova where these previous apparitions were, and 20,000 people in the surrounding area within about a 20-mile radius. So there's over 70,000 witnesses uh, to this miracle, uh, miracle of the sun. And so what happened uh, midday, well, first of all, it had been raining for over 24 hours, so the ground was completely soaking wet, the people were soaking wet, uh, these people were praying the rosary, and then the sun came out right around midday, and it turned pale white uh, like like the moon, so that you could look at it. And it started to spin, and it started to... it looked like it was falling out of the sky, and everybody thought it was the end of the world. And it did this, and it started spinning, and color started coming out of it, and it repeated this cycle back and forth uh, for about ten minutes. And so with all of these people, all these witnesses, um, one would think that there would have been a mass conversion. But I know you guys are familiar with the saying, seeing as believing, but that's not always the case. There were actually some who walked away and just said, uh, it's just some, uh, some event of some kind. I'm sure there's a rational explanation. And so that brings me to this saying that happened also at Lords, which is that for people with faith, no explanation is necessary, but for people without faith, no explanation is possible. <laughs> so, getting back to what should we do about our busy lives, we should be getting busy uh, putting God first, putting Him squarely in the driver's seat. Uh, even if that means saying a single yes to a CEW event, or, yes, to a CEO, uh, reading a book about saints, whatever it takes. you do what you got to do. I'd like to close with the prayer. Uh, 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 do you have, guys have the uh, sheets? If you don't mind, I'd like to pray the pardon prayer, which should be the first prayer, and then the uh, decade prayer at the bottom, the Oh My Jesus prayer. Okay, so if you could pray with me. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I beg pardon for you, those who do not believe, do not, order, do not hope, and do not love you. Amen. Oh my Jesus. Forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those who most need thy mercy. Thank you very much, everybody. God bless.